There's a commercial that shows someone carrying around with them a little smiley face on a stick. And every time somebody asks them, are you okay? How are you doing? They hold it up and say, I'm fine. Now it's obvious that the person isn't fine. It's why everybody keeps asking, how are you doing? Now, I don't know about you, but I have found that it can be rather annoying if people keep asking me how I'm doing. Not about physical stuff. So you ask me about the surgery, that, 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 that's okay. And just in case you wondered, I'm fine. <laughs> Only that's the truth. But the commercial is advertising some drug, don't know what it is, don't care, it's not what I'm talking about. But it is that aspect of our mental and emotional health that unfortunately in the church, for way too long, we've avoided talking about. We've pretended that we don't even need to talk about it. And unfortunately, we have passed out some really bad advice. So this morning, we're starting a, a series entitled, God Cares About Your... And each week, we're going to deal with a different aspect of our lives. This week and next week is at least is going to deal some with the God caring about your physical or your mental and emotional health. I'm not a counselor. I don't play one on TV. I'm not pretending to have all the answers. I'm coming as a fellow struggler who too many times has played it this way. But I'm discovering more and more how much God cares how much he has to say about what we're facing and that he already knows and wants to hear from us and there are more people around us who care than Satan wants you to believe. I'm uh, proud of Dalen for tackling this with our teens. In fact, I'm going to ask Dalen to come up um, and join me for a moment. Uh, all of us deal with some emotional and mental health issues, and I'm not sure there's ever a time that our youth have dealt with more stuff, faced more issues than they do right now. And that's kind of the motivation behind this, isn't it? Why don't you just speak to that for a moment, the motivation behind doing this? Yeah, so, like, obviously the past three years have been probably the most craziest that I've ever seen it, even just out of the 22 years that I've been alive. And just like... I got socks older than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but... Not the ones today, but... <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, like, the, the last three years dealing with COVID, having to do a completely transitional learning into... Um, doing all of it from home and just the isolation that comes with that and all that kind of stuff does do a bit of an impact on one's mental health, whether that's, you know, the um, the need for community that isn't there or wasn't there for those two years that we were in complete lockdown. And 
you know, teens are facing a lot more now than I think ever. I mean, we have social media that's a blessing, but also a curse. We have, like, so many different, like, ways that kids act towards each other that can be helpful, but also bad, so. And so what kind of stuff, what kind of stuff you're going to tackle or attempt to tackle in this? So this first week of the series, we're talking about depression. And so the way that this series kind of um, tackles mental health is that it's like a storm. And so each week is tackling a different storm. One week is tackling the storm of depression. One week is tackling the storm of anxiety and, you know, the idea of suicide and how uh, we can bring God into all of those aspects. And so, and I think that being able to talk about those things in a manner that isn't just, oh, you haven't prayed hard enough. Oh, you have you don't believe hard enough. And taking it in a sense that these are real issues that people are going through that, Yes, we can lean on God, but sometimes it requires a little bit more extra push. And I mean, we were just talking about this yesterday. If you go, if you have a cold, you don't just say, yeah, I'm good. You go to the doctor to seek some extra guidance if that cold is something more. So, yeah, Thank you. And all teens were invited tonight, 530, yeah. Sunday 100%. night. All right. Thank you very much. Um, be praying for this series, be praying for Dalen as he uh, continues to study and put this together. And uh, when he had told me where he was headed with this, and it's like, well, I've been working on something to do at some point on Sunday morning, so why not do it at the same time? So that's where we're coming from here this morning and beginning with this. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles or your Bible on your devices um, into the Old Testament mainly. We're going to look at one verse in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now there's three sets of 1st, 2nd, 1st, 2nd, 1st, 2nd there in the Old Testament, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. We're in 1st Kings. It's the, the third of those six. And then we're going to look at one verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And in fact, I want to start with that verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's what we're seeking is that transformation that comes from God, by God, through God in us. Again, this is not um, something where all the answers are going to be provided, but hopefully some guidance, some ways to look at it, and hopefully to give courage to say, yeah, I, could t I need to talk about some stuff as we go through this series. 1 Kings chapter 19, you have to understand the setup to this. Elijah has had a phenomenal victory. 
You go back two or three chapters and Elijah had declared from God that there was going to be a drought in the land because of the sin in the land. And for three, three and a half years, there was no rain and King Ahab and others blamed Elijah. So imagine the whole nation blaming you for something that was ruining the economy and ruining the lives of all the people in the country. And then God said to Elijah, go present yourself to the king. <laughs> who had a, uh, a bounty on Elijah's head. Now, we don't have time this morning to do this, but let me just make sure you understand. Elijah gave a reasonable argument saying, I'm not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> he wants to kill me, and you want me to go walk right up to him, and God's kind of like, I got you. Which if you get nothing else this morning, remember that. God's got you. He's with you. He cares. He knows what you're going through. He is with you no matter how deep the hole gets or how dark the night seems. He presents himself and he says to the whole nation, how about we have all the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth and let them present and ask their God to send fire. And then I'll do it praying to Jehovah God Almighty. And whichever God answers by fire, that's the God that we will follow. No pressure. There were 400 or 450 prophets of Baal, another 400 prophets of Asherah, and they are pleading to their false gods. And there was Elijah by himself. Fascinating thing to read. Um... I'm always intrigued because I need you to go back and read it because Elijah actually does a little spiritual trash talking uh, during the encounter and I love it. <laughs> anyway, as to be expected, Jehovah God Almighty, our God, is the one who answers by fire. The people declare him God. All the prophets of Baal are killed and then the rain comes. And we pick it up here. After this fact... Beginning at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel, that's his wife, all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Make sure you understand. She's saying to Elijah, if you're not dead by this time tomorrow, in other words, you're going to be dead. Just like you did to those prophets, this is what I'm going to do to you. In verse 3, then he, that's Elijah, was afraid. He rose and ran for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came, sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. 
And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days, 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And there a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Japheth, and Abel, uh, watermelon, let's just say, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Verse 7, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. Now let me just put you at ease. We are not going to make it all the way through this outline this morning. So for those of you that must fill in the blanks, just relax. We'll fill them in next week. It'll be a part of that message. I knew when I prepared this, it was unlikely we were going to get through it. So I'm just saying that up front. We're not going to make it all the way through this outline, but it's part of a bigger thing anyway. So everybody just relax and realize you're just fine. When it comes to how we're doing, it's so easy to hide behind those false statements. Now, I'm not suggesting that every time someone asks you how you're doing, you should pour out your life story to them. But we've got to have somewhere with someone, and usually multiple someones, where we're honest. At least honest enough to say, pray for me. It's a tough day, tough week. I'm struggling. I'm not sure what's coming next, whatever it might be. But I think one of the big questions we have to answer is, how did we get here? When we're in that spot, when we're in that moment of anxiety, of depression, of question, of darkness, of depression, and on and on, the list could go. We sometimes wonder, how did I get here? And I believe in this passage, it gives us several examples of how we often get there. Not an exhaustive list. 
first and foremost, there is a natural low after any great effort. You read through 1 Kings 18 and all that, that Elijah had to do, uh, confront Ahab, confront the whole nation, go up against 800 other prophets against a false god by himself, call upon God to answer by fire and the nation then following that or begin to follow. That was a phenomenal effort physically as well as emotionally. And there is always a natural low after any great effort. And the more emotion that went into the effort, the lower we sometimes feel. That's not necessarily depression, but there is a natural low. And if we stay in that spot too long, it leads to all kinds of mental and emotional issues. You may be going through or have just gone through a time of great effort, a time of great emotion. There's a natural low that comes. It's part of the recovery. In fact, we'll try to look at it in a couple of weeks. But just to understand that that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. To understand how did I get here? That might be why you're in that spot. Another reason that happens is there is often a real or perceived threat or fear. Jezebel gave a very real threat. Verse 2. She said, may the gods do to me and more if I do not make your life as one of them, those who died by this time tomorrow. That was a real threat. And we know that Elijah was afraid. Verse 3, then he was afraid. That was not a bad thing. I mean, he was afraid. There was a real threat. Sometimes it is a perceived threat. When we're in those low moments, we misread situations and people. We sometimes misread tone. Satan confuses us into thinking this is what they said when that's not what they said. Or this is what they meant when it was the farthest thing from what they meant. And if we don't talk to them, if we don't ask some of those questions, we will believe the perceived threat and then drive ourselves down even lower because of what we think is a threat, which creates a real fear. And fear paralyzes us. Another reason we sometimes get there is we feel isolated. Did you hear how many times in that passage, Elijah either was by himself or said, I am the only one left. The end of the chapter, God reminded him, there's seven, six or 7,000 other people that are just like you that are still following God, have not bowed down to Baal. But Elijah felt isolated for two reasons. One, perceived that he was the only one doing what he should. And two, he hid. He pulled himself away from everybody, including his servant. He left his servant in another place and went much further away. The interesting thing to try to protect ourselves when we're struggling in this area, we isolate ourselves and the isolation makes the emotions worse. It's a tough cycle that we fall into. It's understandable, but it's unhelpful. 
that's one reason that we need to be watching out for one another in the fellowship and in our community. And when we haven't seen somebody to check on them, are they okay? Don't let them isolate. Now I realize we all need times where we need some of our own time and space. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the extended isolation and especially that emotional isolation. And last for this morning of how did we get here? A reason is sometimes it's because we're just plain exhausted. It may be because of a great effort. It may be physically we are not feeling well. Whatever the reason, when we're exhausted, we often make poor choices. Have you noticed that? We also excuse it sometimes on being tired. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just tired. That's okay, as long as that does not become your normal answer. <laughs> but sometimes we're just exhausted. Now, God understands that. It's why you notice in this passage, the first thing was Elijah went to sleep and they even told him, get some more rest. Sometimes that low is nothing more than sheer exhaustion. Remember hearing a pastor one time talk about dealing with some of this. And he said, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is just take a nap. Now, some of you have almost made that a religion in itself. But what he was saying is sometimes the reason you're tired is because you're tired. So get some rest. Take a look at it. What have I been doing? What, how have I expended energy lately? But what's more important than how did we get here is how do we move beyond this? So let's start. We're not going to finish, but let's start, Okay. The first thing is you have to understand, you have to believe, and you need to begin acting on the fact that God is listening. He's listening to what you say. He's listening to what you feel. He's listening to who you are. He's not just hearing. He's actually listening to the cries of your heart, to the tears of your soul, to the desires of your being and for your future. It's not just the noise and the words and the cries that he hears. He's listening for what's behind that, what's driving that, where it is coming from, and why it is happening. Since God is listening, take advantage of that and pour out your soul to him. You may not feel like you can do that to anybody else. But let me tell you, you can pour out your soul to God. Sometimes you're going to pour it out just saying, I don't even know what to say. God does. Sometimes you're going to pour it out in anger because this shouldn't be happening. God can handle that. Sometimes you're going to pour it out in guilt. Real or false guilt? Pour out your soul to God. Sometimes our prayer needs to simply be pouring our soul out rather than asking for things. 
And to God, if to no one else, you can certainly say, I don't understand. That's what Elijah was saying, saying, I've been faithful. I've been zealous. I've been passionate. I've worked so hard. Why is this happening? And I'm the only one. That wasn't true, but it's how he felt because he was so isolated by what was going on. Have you ever felt that way? Pour out your soul to God. Because he's listening, you need to trust his heart. I realize the difficult part of that is in that moment, when you get down to that low of a position, you're not trusting anyone. But you got to trust somebody. And it's best to start with God. There's a song that was popular, I don't know, 30 years ago. It said something like this. When you can't feel God's hand, trust his heart. When you can't see the next step, trust his heart. Because as I keep saying to you over and over and over, because it's in scripture over and over and over, God cares about you. And he cares about everything and anything you're facing, including mental and emotional health. He cares about that fear and that anxiety. He cares about that depression. He cares just about that wonderment and loss that you feel or have experienced. God is listening. Make sure you understand that. And once you begin to pour out your soul, then recognize this, what we see in Scripture here. And that is, take care of your physical needs. Check and see, is there anything physically going on? Sometimes depression is driven by a physical problem. You take a look at verses 5 through 8. Elijah laid down and slept. Then the angel touched him, arise and eat. He needed nourishment. He ate and he drank and he laid down again. The angel came a second time and gave him some more food after he had rested because he said the journey is too long, too hard for you. When we get isolated, when we get down, when we get depressed, when anxiety takes over, we don't take care of ourselves. Sometimes... It can be taken care of with just some proper nourishment. I love chips, but that's not real nourishment. I convince myself it is at times. But proper nourishment and some rest. One of the advances of all of our devices, our watches and our phones and all kinds of other things that we have is we can track stuff. And one of the things that's been fascinating to me is to track my sleep and sometimes go, oh, no wonder I'm tired. I've not been sleeping. Get some rest. Get some nourishment. Check it out. Journal it for a while to see how am I doing. Maybe that can begin the process. It's not that alone, but that can help us 
to begin the change to get out of whatever has pulled us down. Now, let me insert, because we're not going to have time to finish this this morning. Doctors are important in this. And as Dalen said, when it comes to some of this stuff, quite often we have a tendency, especially in the church, when it comes to mental and emotional health, to not want to seek medical help for fear that that means we are weak and not strong enough spiritually. That is a lie from Satan. Can it be abused? Absolutely. But if you're going to go because you got the flu, why wouldn't you go if you can't get out of that funk? Understand what's available in counseling, in medical help, with nutrition, with some rest, with friends, with prayer, and on and on that list can go. God cares about you, which means he cares about your mental health. He cares about your emotional health. And if something needs to be diagnosed, let's get it diagnosed so that it can be treated and we can begin to live as God created us and called us to live. Let's lift one another up. Let's pray for one another. Let's not let anybody get isolated in our midst. Let's reach out and remind them God cares and so do we. You don't have to have any answers. The ministry of presence is a powerful ministry. That ministry that says, I'm here for you. I don't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. Just be there. You can tell them, I got no clue what to say. They understand. But you're there. You read through the book of Job, which I am just finishing right now. His friends get a legitimate rap for the lousy stuff they said to Job. But what gets missed is the first seven days, they just sat with him and said nothing. That's when they were helping him. They were just there. Be there for each other. Realize God is there for you. And let's pray together that God guides us to the answers, that God gives us the courage to confess and admit some stuff to him. And if he guides, to one another as well. Because God cares about you. Jesus, thank you for your word and what it declares, for the example of your word that shows us, tells us, screams at us that you care about us, even in our lowest moments. Oh, Lord, help us to be a body of believers that believes you care. Cares about others as well with your love. Who does everything we can to not let anybody isolate. And to remind them they're loved by God and us. Father, I'm praying this week.
for my own preparation, but for each of our hearts to be hearing from you as you guide us into what you would have us do next, what that next right step is. Lord, I'm praying for some who are feeling isolated, who are so down right now, who are struggling mentally or emotionally or both, or have a loved one that is, Lord, may you encourage them, strengthen them, and lift them to look to you. And I pray and cry out to you of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.